right. Well, good morning. So we are here. It's uh, it's VBS kickoff, and it feels like opening day for me. And so I get pretty excited about that and, and what's going to happen with all of that. Um, and everybody's wearing their jerseys out here today. Um, some need to repent for the jersey that they're wearing today. Uh, I just won't mention any names, Steelers and Giants, but... Um, but that's that's just what we what we got to do. No, there's great news all around for this today. One of the things that I get to be the the bearer of great news for you is this: is starting next Sunday, one week from today, Kids Church is back during the eleven o'clock service. So you guys, uh, K through fourth, you'll get to go to Kids Church starting next week. Preschool is also back for you, and that's going to be fantastic. So all the the hours we have preschool and kids covered. Uh, starting next Sunday. So that's great news. We've been so working hard to get ready for this to come back. And now it's here. It is upon us. And we get to use VBS as the on-ramp for that. And as you see, our, our theme is game on. And, and that's, that's right up my alley, man. I love it. Sports were such a huge deal for me growing up. I still am a big fan of sports and love being around sports. I learned so much in sports as a, as a player when I could play a little bit. But, um, but what I want you to do is this. This is game on, and so what you need to know is you're totally allowed to cheer whenever you hear something that you like or see something that you like. You need to, you can get rowdy. Like, you can do that. It's allowed uh, to do that, to celebrate those things, and, and you'll, there are going to be things worth cheering. I promise you that you'll see here in just a little bit. Um, also, just so you know, there will be a halftime during the sermon. And uh, we will have a halftime entertainment that will be taking place as well. So be ready for that. There's lots to, to get excited about that. Um, baseball was always my favorite sport growing up. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That's, that's why I wore my baseball jersey. Who knows what this is? Who knows what team I'm representing? See, all the old people, right? What is it? What team am I? Bad News Bears. That's exactly right. Not, don't watch the 1975 version of that film it's not family friendly but um but but that was such a great i mean chico's bell bonds i got it all uh the original jersey and so i am grateful to have this yeah it's fun fun times but see, yeah, it's worth cheering so um but we're gonna we're gonna have that that time today I, I didn't make it to professional baseball um but when you're not very fast and you make up for it by throwing poorly uh then you don't have much chance to make it but god had a plan, and, and I'm so grateful for the Round Rock Express where I get to be team chaplain for a professional baseball team. So I made the team, uh, just not in the way that I, I wanted to, to make it in that. But, um, but here's the deal. Everybody plays for championships, right? I know that people were happy about Baylor winning the national championship in basketball. I know, Sikkim, whatever you're supposed to say on that, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you knew, Sam Houston State won the national championship in, in football just a few weeks ago. Thank you. Eat them up. There we go. Uh, so we, we do that, but and, and championships are important, and that's fine. But I want to go a step deeper today and talk about what a spiritual champion looks like. Like we, we I think, glorify athletics to the point of almost making it godlike. Uh, I, I know there was times in my life where I did that and, and saw that happen. And I want to say, what, what would a spiritual champion look like? Like what would a spiritual champion be? And, and where can we find that in the scripture? The easy answer would be Jesus, but we can't be him. We can try to be like him, but we're not going to be perfect. So who else in scripture is someone that we could look to as a spiritual champion and kind of learn from this guy right here? Because I believe Jesus didn't come to earth to, to be on a dead sprint for mediocrity. 
I don't believe Jesus came and said, hey, just do your best and whatever happens, happens. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 9.24, it says, Don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Like, he wants us to give our best. He wants us to do everything with excellence. He says everything you do, whether in word or deed, which are your actions, which include sports, do it all to the glory of God. I think we should give our best at everything we do. And so I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to win championships. I, I, I don't see that in Scripture, but I think it goes deeper than just a scoreboard. I think it, it, it talks more about that. So the guy that I thought of is, is a guy in Scripture named Paul. Now, right now we're walking through the book of Philippians and Mark's uh, unpacking that for us. And he wrote that. And, and when you look at his life, he did not start well. Matter of fact, he started pretty much as a loser because his whole goal was to kill Christians. He would go town to town and try to wipe them out. Like, that's what he wanted to do. And so instead of, of being a champion for Christ, he was the enemy. And then he was on this, this road to Damascus one day. This giant light blinded him. And God wrecked his world, and he became a new creation. He started walking with Jesus and started making a difference. As a matter of fact, most of the New Testament was written by Paul. All the maps in the back, those are his journeys. Like, he became a pretty significant person. What can we learn from a guy like that? What can we learn from the spiritual champion of Paul? So we're going to look at his words and let him describe what a spiritual champion is. I've got some people that are going to be coming to help me today, so you six kiddos be ready for that, because each of you have a scripture that I want you to read. Matter of fact, Adeline, why don't you come on up here right now, and we'll be ready to go with that. Jared's with you. Because the first point that I have, six points today about what a spiritual champion is this. Number one, spiritual champions have a dream. Spiritual champions have a dream. Adeline, tell us what Paul said. Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. Yeah. That's worth cheering about. She said right there, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what Paul said. He said, I have a dream. Martin Luther King said, I had a dream. Paul in there says, I have a dream too. For me to live is Christ. If I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. And so those that were opposed to him would say, well, then we'll just beat you up. We'll just smack you around. And he, and he said, okay, that's great. My reward will be better. Well, then we'll just go ahead and kill you. Okay, fine. I'll be with Jesus. Like there was nothing they could do that was going to change his dream. There was nothing that was they could do that was going to change his focus. I have a dream and it's for me to live as Christ. And if I die, it's even better because I'll be with him. His perspective never changed. His circumstances didn't define it. He was able to overcome that because his dream was intact. I, for me to live is Christ. If I were to fill in that blank, for Alan to live is, well, I can tell you there's plenty of times it was for me to live is sports. If I wasn't winning, then my life was terrible. For me to live was girls. If I didn't have someone to call my own, my girlfriend, then I was losing at life. I made things more priority than God. He had to wreck my world to get my attention as well. And so now how would you fill in the blank? For me to live is blank. That's the challenge that we have. The first step in being a spiritual champion when the game is on is figuring out what you're doing it for. Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it for the applause of man? Or are you doing it for the applause of heaven? Boy, what a challenge that is for us. So point number one, spiritual champions have a dream. All right, Kenley, come on down. You're up next, girl. So uh, number two is this. She's not even here yet. You can cheer after she reads it. Um, <laughs> number two is this. Spiritual champions are excited. 
Spiritual champions are excited. All right, Kenley, tell us what Paul said. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Mm, Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Kenley. Yeah, you can sit down. Isn't she great? I love this, man. I love hearing Scripture come out of kids' mouths. I just think that's so cool in that. But she told us, she said, Paul was straining towards what is ahead, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. Now, when I, I think about this idea of straining, I don't think that's done passively. I don't think that's done flippantly. I don't think you strain at something and not give full effort. When you're straining, you're at max effort. The Olympics are coming this summer. Have you ever watched the weightlifters in the Olympics? That's max effort. Like, that's snot coming out and veins and face turn. I mean, that's max effort happening right there. That is straining. Then football pregame. Those guys are going crazy. They're headbutting each other and slapping each other around. I mean, they're going, there's an excitement that's there. There's a passion that's there. Because I have this dream. Now, how am I going to fulfill that dream? I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to give it all of my passion. I'm going to be excited about it. I mean, it's amazing. when I watch college football that goes around all over our country, and every Saturday these stadiums are full of 100,000 people, and they're going nuts for their team that's there. It's, amazing. it's the best worship in the world. It's just the wrong God. And we've got to be careful what we're worshiping. What are we giving our energy to? What are we giving our passion to? When someone gives their life to Christ, we shake their hand and pat them on the back. Well done. Is that as excited as we can get about someone that just got saved from the pit of hell? Like, to me, that's worth celebrating. That's worth getting excited about. I love the way we celebrate baptisms like we did last week. I love when someone gets baptized. We cheer. We go crazy for that. But it's amazing. We will, we will carve out our schedule to make sure that we can tailgate an hour or two or ten before the game and then not miss the game. But, man, it's tough to get to church on time. Where's our passion? Where's our excitement? If we're a spiritual champion, we get excited about the opportunity to gather with our fellow fans and follow Jesus. Spiritual champions get excited. Number three is this. Nate, come on. I don't know where you're at. There you are. Nate's coming up here. Number three, spiritual champions bounce back. See, one thing doesn't stop them. They bounce back. Let's see what, what happened to Paul. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Wow. Come on. That's what we're cheering about. I think there was a whole lot of reasons for Paul to quit. I think there's a whole lot of reasons. You know, that's enough. I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. How many times do I have to be beaten? How many times do I have to be stoned with rocks, not drugs? 
How many times do I have to have the lashes? How many times do I have to be shipwrecked? How many times? He continued to get back up. He continued to go. Why? Because spiritual champions bounce back. They don't let one thing stop them. They don't let one thing say, this will be the end, because my dream will not be stopped. And for me to live is Christ. And I am so fired up about it. I am so ready to do whatever it takes that if it costs me my life, that's okay. So I can bounce back because you didn't take my life. It's a 40 lashes minus one. That's 195 lashes that he took. 195. Why is it sometimes that I go, well, I'm not sure I want to get, I want to talk about Jesus because I might get made fun of. Words might hurt me. It's not a matter of if but when hard times come. Like if, if you don't know that after the last 14 months, I don't know if I can help you. Like we've been through it. Some still going through it. And I understand the difficulty that's there. But let me ask you this. Emmett Smith, who was actually in the early service this morning, um, he looked real different though, but, uh, but he, he was here. Emmett Smith is the leading rusher in the history of the NFL. He ran for 18,355 yards. And that doesn't even include his receiving yards. That's just his rushing yards. 18,355, which is approximately 10 and a half miles. 10 and a half miles. And he was knocked down every 4.2 yards. Think about that. Think about that. How many times did he get knocked down? How many times did he get hit and then didn't get knocked down? He kept going and got hit again and hit again before he went out of bounds or got tackled or scored a touchdown. Like, think about all that he did. And he kept getting back up again. That it... There's a story of, of a coach, and he, uh, he got a, a head coaching job at a college uh, university, and, and he gathered his staff for their first meeting. He said, guys, we got some work to do here, and here's, here's what we're going to do. I want you to go get me some players. Let me tell you what I'm looking for. You know that guy that gets knocked down and stays down? They're like, yeah, we don't want that guy. Yeah, you're right. We don't want that guy. He says, but you know the guy that gets knocked down, but he gets back up? But he gets knocked down, he gets back up, and he does it two or three times before he quits? Like, well, yeah, we, we can get those. I don't want those guys. But you know the guy that gets knocked down and gets back up and knocked down and gets back up? It doesn't matter how many times you knock him down. He keeps getting back up. They're like, yeah, let's go get those guys. He goes, I don't want that guy. Like, what do you want? He goes, I want the guy that's knocking those guys down. That's the guy that I want. I think God's looking for some folks that are willing to bounce back. You're going to have troubles. Tough times are going to come. But James chapter 1, verse 12 says this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What a promise that is. Isn't that good? All right. It's halftime. So here's what I need for you from halftime right here, then we'll get back to the sermon. Halftime, we're going to do a thing called Super Shot. Supershot will be happening right here in the front as the uh, interns and everybody gets ready to do this. We're getting it set up. Um, it is sponsored by Wheaties, in case you're wondering who our sponsor is for halftime. Sponsored by Wheaties and the Apostle Paul. Please be a spiritual champion. That's what we got right there. So all the kids, kindergarten through sixth grade, come on up here right to the middle. Everybody come on up here. Here's what's going to happen. Let me give you the directions. Come on here. There's blue lines. Preschool kids, come too if you can shoot the ball. Come on. That's fine. So... Come on down here. There's blue lines. You're going to line up. Everybody gets one shot, not one shot at each, one shot, one or the other. Get in the lines. And here's what happens. You take a shot. Listen. Take a shot. If you make it, you get two pieces of candy. If you miss it, you get one piece of candy. 
because that's just a nice thing to do in church. Everybody gets a trophy. All right. That's it. All right. So here we go. Everybody's going to take a shot, and you either get one or two pieces of candy. You get one shot on either side, one or the other. All right, ready? Let's go. Kobe Bryant missed. Oh. Bucket, bucket, right over there. Oh, here we go. our halftime crew for our halftime entertainment there. That was fantastic. You guys, this is so fun. I love this. Man, this is great to have the halftime that's there. But we're only halfway done with what a spiritual champion looks like. So first we said that spiritual champions have a dream. Two, they're excited. They are pumped up and ready to go. Three, they bounce back. Number four is this. Uh, so Lila, I'm not sure where, where she is. There she is. Uh, coming on down here. Number four is this. Spiritual champions aim high. Spiritual champions aim high. What did Paul say? Press on toward the goal to win a prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Philippians 3.14 right there. And you heard what Paul said, that I press on. He's already giving everything he's got. He's already giving max effort. He's straining towards what is ahead. Why? So he can achieve the goal heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. What are you aiming for spiritually? What's the goal? If the goal is just to come to church, you're selling yourself short. The goal is to be the church. The goal is to be like Jesus as we go out there. A spiritual champion leaves and goes with a mission. I've I've talked about that before. No one watches football games to see teams huddle. That's just sweaty rear ends. No one goes to see that. You go to see what happens when you break the huddle. That's what you go to a game for. The world is watching us huddle today. And if all they see is our backsides, then we're failing. What happens when we break the huddle? How are we going to go be a spiritual champion? How are we going to go make a difference? We have to aim high at this. Now, I need, I need help with this. I need an athlete. Um, I'm not sure golfers are athletes. Um, but Huggies, come on up here. Here we go. Yeah, Jason, I'm calling you out. So here's what I want you to do. You can stay right there. I have this in the golf bag. 
I have this yardstick. What I want you to do is take this yardstick. Don't hit me, please. But I want you to take this yardstick. I want you to balance it in your hand. Look only at your hand. Okay? Don't look anywhere else but your hand. All right? Let's see. Don't hit Roger Staubach up here, man. That's the goat. All right, now do it this time looking up and see how you do. Wow, amazing, huh? Now you're trying to hit me. I know, on that. Okay, round of applause for Jason right here. But let me ask you this question. What's the one thing he did different? It's where his eyes were, right? When he's looking down here at his hand, he can't do anything. But when he looks up, Everything falls into place. He said, let's, let's pursue the dream that's heavenward. Where are our eyes? Our hand represents our circumstances and our situations. And we get focused on ourselves and we try to make life make sense and we're running around crazy. But when we take our eyes off of ourselves and off of our circumstances and we put it on Jesus and everything else falls into place and everything's able to happen right there, where are your eyes? Spiritual champions aim high. We don't get bogged down in the everyday because that doesn't define us. We look towards Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him scorned the cross and sat down at the right hand of God on our behalf. Where are your eyes? Spiritual champions aim high. Number five is this. Nolan, you're up. Number five is this. Spiritual champions plan for trouble. We talked a little bit about that earlier, about bouncing back. But it's not just about bouncing back. It's having a plan. What did Paul say? Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. We heard what Paul said earlier when Nate was reading his scriptures up here, all the things that he went through. And now he has a plan for how to deal with those things. I've learned to be content in all those situations. I understand that they're coming, so I have a plan for them. I have a plan to understand that my strength is not enough that God's strength is the only thing that can get me through this. And, and so we have to now figure out what is going to be our plan because trouble is coming. There's no question about it. Trouble is coming. It's not if but when. And maybe it's something that, that was your fault. Maybe it's something that someone else did that you have to pay the consequences for. But we're dealing with stuff. And it comes our way. And if we don't have a plan to know it's coming, it's going to wipe us out. It's going to make us want to quit. Back in the 1980s, there was an NCAA cross-country meet. And uh, all the best runners from all the universities were there. There were 128 runners that qualified for this race. One of them's name is Mike Del Cavo. Mike Del Cavo um, was, was part of the, team, uh, the group that went. They got there early, and because it's cross-country, it's not a nice, neat little track you run around. It's literally through the woods and kind of stuff. And so they had this course for them to run, new course that they hadn't run. It was the national championship course. So the runners got there, and they're able to walk the course and see what it's like and know where they're supposed to go and all those things. Well, Mike Del Cavo noticed there was one spot there that the sign wasn't super clear about whether, well, that's close, about whether to go left or right. And so he made sure in his mind to make sure, all right, the, the correct way is to go left. I want to make sure that we do that. 
And so the race started the next day, and they're off and running. He is in the lead pack. He's part of the, the leadership group that's there, and there's all the, the ones behind it. They get to that spot, and the first couple of guys start going the wrong way. And he stops and goes, guys, guys, this, this is the way. You, you're going the wrong way. You need to go here. But because the majority was still heading that way, they all followed. Only four other guys went with him to the correct path. Those five finished the top five places. The other 123 were disqualified. He planned for trouble. He tried to get others to go. They wouldn't listen because the other way seemed right. There is a way that seems right to men, but in the end leads to destruction. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. And the road there is narrow and few that find it. It is our job to plan for trouble, not just the things that come our way, but the trouble that we know is coming in eternity. And it's our job to point people in the right direction. We've got to have a plan for that trouble so that when trouble comes, we can help point people that way. Because the temptation is going to be go where everybody else goes. Wide is the road. Leads to destruction. Where are we going to go? What is going to be our focus in this situation? Where will be the, the trouble that we're planning for? How are we going to respond to that? John 16.33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He's done that for us. He's shown us the way. Are we going to take it? Are we going to take it? Number six is this. So, Ruth, you're up. So come on down, girl. Number six is this. Spiritual champions finish strong. They finish strong. And Paul has a very good word about that I want you to hear. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Amen. Paul wrote those words at the end of his life. He knew things were coming to a close. He had been in this big journey for a long time. And he tells this at the end. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. That's not a bad thing to have on your tombstone, is it? Fought the good fight. Finished the race. Kept the faith. But now what? Now there is in store for me something else. Now, in our current culture, we put a whole lot of value on the ring. And I actually, I have some rings here that I can show you. They're pretty impressive. First one, this is, uh, this is Mary Harden Baylor's national championship ring from two years ago. Right there. Uh, yeah, I, I got some crew people in here. I see you. Uh, this is their national championship. Yeah, there it is. There's a picture of it. This is when they won the national championship. This is a pretty impressive ring. Uh, my friend Seth Blankenship was on that team, and uh, he has skinny fingers, not sausage ones like mine. But, uh, but he let me borrow this ring today. And he's proud of this ring. And everybody on that team got one. And he was a walk-on on this team. And the only walk-ons that got rings were the ones that didn't miss a practice. Is that not talking about a spiritual champion bouncing back? He didn't even get to dress for the national championship game, but he has a ring because he helped them get there. He was part of the process on that. I have another ring that I want to show you as well. It's pretty cool. This ring is, uh, is the Houston Astros ALCS championship ring from 2019. You can see it there. That's awesome. 
And uh, I'm going to keep this, Chris. So, no, Chris Almendaris is ring. He's president of the Express, and, and he's here today, and he let me borrow this. And then he came to make sure I didn't do anything dumb with it. Um, but, uh, but you talk about an impressive piece of jewelry here. And, and everybody who was a part of the organization in 2019 got this. And, and, and they value this. They treasure this. Chris doesn't wear this every single day. You know, and these players don't wear it every single day. But it's something that they, they treasure. They value this ring because it became important to them that all the hard work that paid off, all the, the things that was there. I, I sent this to a couple of friends of mine this morning. I said, look at this cool sermon illustration I get to use today. One of them's a Rangers fan and one of them's an Astros fan. And, uh, and so it was funny because the Rangers fan like, oh, you're teaching on cheating and repentance? Is that <laughs> and, uh And the Astros fans, no, you're probably teaching on jealousy. And... Uh, <laughs> And so that was pretty fun to, to have that today. But, uh, but these, and these are cool. But can I tell you something about these? They're temporary. You don't get to take them with you. We value the ring. God values the crown. So much so that Jesus put on the crown of thorns to show what he was willing to go through for us. And then he says there, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Mm. That's what we're pursuing. Championships here are temporary. The crown of eternity is forever. What are we pursuing as spiritual champions? What's more valuable to us? What are we putting the, the goal towards? What are we pressing on towards? Heavenward in Christ Jesus or earthward for a ring. And these are nice, but they're not as nice as the crown. Um, and it says at the end, it says, that it will reward to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And I thought, what does it mean to long for his appearing? Like, that seems weird. And as I was praying last night here at church, just kind of getting ready, I was sitting here. And I looked up and I looked down the aisle to those doors. And I went all the way back to 20 years ago this September. I was standing there scared to death, longing for a girl named Amy Hammontree to walk down that aisle and be my wife. Then I remembered what it means to long for the day of God coming to get me. I longed for her to be my bride. I longed for her to be with me. God longs for us to be with Him, but do we so want to be with Him that we'll make the sacrifice that's necessary. Will we fight the good fights or will we fight the bad fights? Because we're fighting fights. And He says, I have fought the good fight. What, what good fight are you fighting and what bad fight do you need to stop fighting to be a spiritual champion? So in closing, I want to ask this question. Just raise your hand. How many of you have ever thrown a football? we got some people that have thrown a football. How many of you could say you could throw it 10 yards? Who could throw it 20 yards? Who could throw it 30 yards? Who could throw it 40 yards? You got anybody with 40? Don't lie to me over there. Who, got, who are you pointing at over there? Huh? Anybody can throw it? Who can throw it 40 yards? You can throw it 40 yards? Okay, Jacob, here we go, because I have a football. So what you're telling me is you can throw this football 40 yards. No, you just said you could. Why can't you do that? Why? Because it... We're not going there. I'm not going... 
Because it doesn't have air, but I didn't ask how far you could throw air. Uh, ask how far you could throw a football. So you can't throw it 40 yards, not this football. But, but here's, what if I fill it up with, with concrete? Could you throw it 40 yards then? What if I filled it up with water? Would it be able to throw it 40 yards then? But if I filled it up with air, right, then, then, then you could do that. See, because I can, I can stretch the football out and kind of make it look like it's supposed to look and kind of pretend, but if any kind of pressure comes, it's going to go flat again, right? Because this football was made to be thrown and kicked and put through the uprights like we have up there to be fumbled. Like it's made to do all of those things, but it can't do what it's made to do until it's filled with the right thing. You know where I'm going. We are this football. You can't do what you were made to do until you're filled with the right thing. That right thing is Jesus. It's not money. It's not championships. It's not whatever trophies that we want to call. When we're filled with the right thing, we're able to do what we're created to do. And until we're filled with that, we're going to wonder why things aren't going correctly, why things are temporary, why things don't feel right. And if you're here today and you've never allowed Jesus to come in and fill you and be who he made you to be, then today's your day to meet Jesus. Today's your don't walk out of here without knowing who he is. Because all of the parties and all the money and all the success and all the things will end up leaving you flat. And you will not do what you're created to do. You were created to be a spiritual champion. But you can't do it without being filled with the right thing, and that right thing is Jesus. It's game on. You can't play the game until you're filled with Jesus. It's time for game on. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I... I thank you so much for the way that you speak to us, the way that your word is very direct to us. Thank you for a guy like Paul who really blew it to start his life. He really was not much to talk about. But he was transformed and his life was so different. He was literally the Osama bin Laden of biblical times. And you transformed him to be the greatest missionary and write most of the Bible. There's no one in this room or online, that has been disqualified from your love, that has been too damaged, that has made too many mistakes, to not be able to be filled with you. God, I pray that you give us a fresh dream. God, I pray that we we get excited about that dream. I pray that we bounce back from the difficulties instead of letting them keep us down. We are not defined by what we've done. We're not defined by what's been done to us. We are defined by what's been done for us. And that's what you did on the cross. God, I pray that you would help us to aim high, to plan for trouble, and to finish strong as spiritual champions. For your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go.